This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike. I'm Dave. We hippies have come together to spark change. So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that, let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. This has been an interesting turn of events. Turns out that our original recording, thanks uh, to some software edits and technical matters, got deleted. So uh, we're back here re-recording with the fabulous, the wonderful, the glamorous, uh, with Mushmush and Mooney, the two most (laughs) adorable little rats I've ever seen. Eli. Uh, would you <clears throat> like to introduce yourself? Thank you so much, of course, for being a part of Lost in the Groove and being part of this Groovy fam. So I am, I'm Elaine Rott. I'm um, a visual and uh, immersive artist in uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I'm from Chicago originally, the actual city, not the suburbs. And uh, I'm here currently sitting in my space with uh, my two pet rats. And um, we're going to talk about psychedelic adventures. Yes. <laughs> and as they say in the Twilight Zone, we're entering another dimension. So this season, make sure to have your shroom tea ready. Uh, if you're getting a little frisky, maybe get some ketamine while you're at it. Don't get too crazy with your friends. But we're here on a journey. We're here to start. So this is the introduction to a world that has been extremely misunderstood, been thrown under the bus for too long. And we're finally saying, fuck you. Fuck True. the government. Fuck all you nationalists that hate us we're bringing psychedelics to you guys giving you the introduction and the story full hand with three people so me mike and eli that have all gone through psychedelics experiences and welcoming you to this brand new season that will be dripping like purple slime oh my god they're so (laughs) cute sorry much like much like Uh. psychedelics are highly misunderstood in society yes I'm from New York, so we have the New York rats, and I know the other type of rats. Yes. But yeah, so uh, so how do, where would you like to begin? Well, I think the best, <clears throat> best place to begin would be <clears throat> kind of expressing and getting an idea of what are psychedelics in its entirety? Why has it been labeled as dangerous and bad if we're coming here and saying that it isn't? Uh, are, are we wrong? Are, are we, you know, giving false information or it's been the table's been turned. So it, it seems that way, even though it's not. Well, I think that when people do psychedelics for the first time, what they do, or, well, not just first, but when people start doing psychedelics, what they do is they end up kind of uh, reorienting their understanding of the world around them. And, and reorienting understanding of themselves. And a lot of the time, what will happen when you do psychedelics is you'll end up getting into a kind of different state of mind where you're looking at life in a very, in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. And when you do that, um, you can get different perspective on yourself, on your relationships, on your, on your jobs, on your position in the world, on your family dynamics, on like the government at large and like, you know, how culture exists in the world. And a lot of the times when you have a sort of regimented way of looking at the world. It's very structured, very cut and dry, very like sort of, you know, but I mean, in essence, really like more 
organized, westernized way of looking at the world, what happens is you, like when you do psychedelics, it kind of blows that a, a new door wide open and you're able to explore that, like that different perspective for the first time. And so what will happen is a lot of people get disillusioned with the way that they have been living because they, and then as soon as they let, and then they kind of realize like, oh, this whole thing that I've been doing is not right. I need to redesign my life. And I think that why that's labeled as dangerous is because a lot of our, our culture and our sort of social structure is dependent on people allowing, like believing that what we are told from very small children is true. It's, it's strange because we actually were talking about this on the phone. We're in culture, more specifically, when you look at music and art, a lot of really famous artists and musicians, their influence towards music and their paintings and their designs were through psychedelics. And writers, <clears throat> writers too, right. And we don't really hear that much about them because they have spoken about their experiences, but it's not really brought into <clears throat> the broader world. You know, you've mentioned this before. You're part of the burner community. Uh, yeah, since 2013, actively since 2013. Wow. Before that, I was I was in a band for 11 years in the, like underground scene in Chicago, and I've done everything. I've been in kind of like fringe culture since I was probably 15 years old. And my parents were both kind of involved in fringe culture as well, like before I was born independently of each other. And so I kind of like grew up around subculture my whole life. Like both my parents had done acid and stuff in, you know, in the 70s. And then like they'd done, they'd done a few different drugs. And um, at, not when I was alive, really, but like when I was, um, you know, like, so I kind of grew up knowing that culture. Like my, my mother was more beatnik culture. My father was more hippie culture. Um, and I was exposed to a lot of that stuff, especially like the writers and just sort of the whole cultural relevance of it from a really young age. And then found my own way and my own versions of fringe culture <laughs> um, from like about 15 on. Wow. But um, burner culture, I found a little bit later on, actually, like I was more in like sort of like punk and grass and, and like underground activist, whatever, urban farming, just uh, the fucking the weird. Uh, so when you weird, say <clears throat> so, burner culture that I found it like when I was like, more in like my mid 20s. So when you say, yeah, you know, I've heard this term before. I, I, I'm from New York. Uh, underground culture is very different, I'm assuming, than Chicago. My perspective, underground culture is the art the art scene. So here in New York, when, you know, I live not that far from the city. I'm about 30 minutes away. The underground is kind of the lower Manhattan. So we're talking about like uh, Little Italy. Uh, what do you call that? Um, near Chinatown, uh, Greenwich Village, like kind of in between before you get to <clears throat> the Lower East Side. And that kind of underground scene was actually very heavily influenced by the LGBT community as well as the arts, the art scene. Um, so you were talking about um, like how what underground means in terms of other parts of the country, kind of. So I think like in Chicago, underground was it was art, it was music, it was it was dance, it was the kink and queer communities. It, it's just a lot of like it's sort of just like the things that are not mainstream right and um it is things that happen in warehouses and basements and after our clubs and parties and events like that and you know uh things that are you know 
that play the sort of more weird out there bands like I was like I was in a band for 11 years called the Fuzzy Bunnies of Death and it was like it was a very fun thrashy like sort of metal punk goth like uh band with lots of props and and um like stuffed animals full of cotton candy and force feeding people cotton candy brains and, <laughs> and a song about beats uh, where we had beat the house full of bag wine and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. our singer was a transgender i'm queer like it was a pretty queer it was, i mean we we had different people other different people as drummers and keyboardists throughout it but like three of us that were core in it were all just pretty like oddball outsider artists <laughs> in so our how, own did, and this, how was the yeah. how was the you know how was the psychedelic culture I think I got into it more than the rest of the band did, but in general, we all kind of got in. I mean, I think that there was always a presence of it. Like I went, like being from Chicago, there was there's a pretty rich history of just like underground and like subculture in Chicago, and like um, also just you know psychedelics are sort of like a more extreme version of a lot of other things there was definitely some hippie culture too but there was also like um like i think that like what really like like psychedelics kind of united a lot of different like disparate subcultural communities because it got everybody especially like molly which is sort of like you know it's an empathogen but it's also a psychedelic but like just doing all that kind of stuff with each other like it really kind of broke down a lot of like social barriers um, the, in terms of like that world, there was some psychedelic use in that it was kind of seen as a little bit more of an extreme thing, but it was definitely like around, like you could, if you could find it, like people were usually pretty into it. Um, then there were juggalos were really into psychedelics. Too. There were, we had a lot of juggalos in my high school for some reason. Um, <laughs> but like, I think like what was really cool about it though was like as i got you know i kind of got older i went to art school and stuff too and again you you go to parties and people would be doing these things and you would just kind of encounter it and it would just it would help you just understand people in a different way like i think that as we explored more there was more of a distinction between like you know there was a way of looking at things where you stopped looking at it in like a way where it's like you this is what you've been told and you started looking at in a new perspective like kind of like a kind of like a new shadow yeah 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 like well yeah i think uh in the the one that got deleted like in the recording that got um lost we talked about like going through a door so like you're walking down the hallway and psychedelics just kind of burst open this door for the first time um into this room that you'd never walked into before and then as soon as you did it's like this is both familiar and new and dynamic it is it is kind of everything all at once and it's a whole new way of looking at things and then once you go down into that room you can open that room again and again and eventually that kind of like the rest of the your proverbial house kind of ends up reflecting through that door <laughs> right but it's uh it's such an interesting and such a powerful part that we have in regards to culture, because there's a lot of roots towards psychedelics throughout mm-hmm. history. We spoke about this in the re- deleted recording, or we'll call it Lost in Space. Lost in Space. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you look at peyote, that was a part of the Inca and Aztecs' culture for thousands of years. Um, ayahuasca was a part of South American culture. Um, Amazonians was, it was part of it again also for a very long period. So you see these cultures benefiting off of this 
for thousands of years. And you might say to yourself, okay, well, we don't do those anymore. However, there are many things we imitate or emulate from the past because they work. Yes. And we copy them today. Right. Well, we are, when, when we do, when we do psychedelics for a lot of people, that's the first time that they really questioned the basis of reality and of identity and who they are. And they started to really challenge that, that part of themselves. Like for a lot of people, like looking at things in that different, through that different lens, it, like that's like the first time that they really wondered if there's more than what they just see. And I think that that's really cool, but I think that's also a reason why for a long time they were you know seen as like these bad things because you would have people who would do them and before when there was like less education about them and stuff in like the 60s and 70s like we didn't have the ritual of it back then and so there was a lot more like sort of scattershot experiences of them and they were a little bit more dangerous because it's like you do this drug and you think it's going to be all fun and everything's going to be beautiful and rainbows and you know el pink elephants or whatever and then suddenly it's like oh I like everything about my family and my life is a lie and like the government is corrupt and all this other stuff. And so a lot of people would have these kind of like heavier existential experiences because it would deconstruct their, their, you know, um, perception of the world around them. Yeah. Because trauma, <clears throat> trauma is so powerful mm -hmm. where trauma be can become physical pain. And, you know, I, you, you know my brother uh, Mac. He's uh, he, he's an EMT. He he does uh, medical work when he goes to festivals, and he told me you know, it says a lot of the times people that are tripping out and it's really bad because of that heavy trauma, and he yeah. said that you have to relieve that stress to get it out of their system. But people then take that perspective and say, okay, well that's what psychedelics are. It's going to put you into that mode. But you just said this we're. It, for some people, it's heavier yeah. because of different experiences that are being made. So it's all based on the individual. If you take the right steps and you're with the right people, theoretically speaking, you should be okay. You shouldn't yeah. run into that problem. Totally. Well, and also I think it's like it's like going into an experience like... I'm, yeah, like I've been, I've done a lot of different psychedelics. Like I've done like the, you know, the acids and acid mushrooms and then different research chemicals. And I haven't done ayahuasca, but I've done like DMT, like as a team. Highly, highly, highly recommend ayahuasca. I really want to. Yeah, I absolutely. It's amazing. At some point. <laughs> but um, I, have to find, I have to find the right circles like we're talking about. But like, I, yeah, exactly. You know, for a lot of people though, I think it's like, if you go into psychedelics, like looking like with an open mind and being like, you know, not necessarily looking for answers, but looking for, or like, just not even necessarily looking mm. for anything, but as a seeker, as a, as someone who's mm. curious, as somebody who's like looking at, who wants to have a new experience, then you're probably not going to have a bad time, even if it does get kind of dark for a little while, because you're kind of open to whatever it's going to, wherever it's going to take you and whatever it's going to teach you. Whereas I think that if you go into it thinking like either like, ah, oh, this is going to be, this is, this isn't going to affect me. Or like if you have kind of more of a defensive way of looking at the world, or if you have more of like a, you know, if you don't want to kind of deconstruct your life in a sense, then a lot of the time people fight it. And that's when people have bad trips. It's like, it's either them fighting it because they don't want to understand the things that they're understanding or because the, you know, in some cases it is trauma and stuff and, and like having like a sort of PTSD reaction. But for other people, it's just like them not wanting to be people who are affected by these things. And I think that as, as long as you're fighting, if you're fighting psychedelics, then you un, you don't really end up 
digest like you don't digest the material and it puts you into a dark place and a lot of the time when you are living something that's not true to yourself when you're not being true enough to yourself it will take you to a dark place anyway um even if you're not like a dark person you know normally um because it takes you to a place where you kind of these things dawn on you and you're like oh my god i need to change this and this and this about my life which if you're going into it with an open mind and open heart and like you know knowing that it might that might happen then you can prepare yourself and then if you still experience the darker thing it's like you can handle it but if you're going into it in denial if you're going into hiding things from yourself running away from yourself running away from like the truth of your life of what you what you're here for what you what you truly feel then it will it'll it'll kind of ruin that time for you it'll put you into a really bad like hole so the way that i again this is how i'm viewing and i I think the the viewers would and the listeners would want to want want to see from another perspective can you take therapy and apply this to a psychedelic experience or we'll call it also a journey sure we're it's not where you're sitting with therapists because a therapist requires there to be two people but a personal type of therapy within your own self would that be in your own words do you think that would be a correct definition or a way of describing a psychedelic experience sure yeah i think it can be very therapeutic because it's like if you listen to what it's if you listen to what you're experiencing as you're experiencing it it can help you gain a lot of perspective and i think that's why it's becoming more integrated into like there's a lot of places that are integrating psilocybin and then also like ketamine into therapeutic measures and and some some with the mdma too which is which i think is interesting because i think mdma i have a whole different I, i really think it's a wonderful drug but i also think there's just a lot of like during and aftercare that needs to go into it people don't necessarily do myself included all the time because it does actually deplete you know it it depletes certain things in your brain that you need but like it is interesting in terms of opening your heart but i think that the reason that people are starting to integrate like the science world is starting to integrate like psychedelics into like more therapeutic practices is because it does do a lot of what therapy does it's just that it does it in a way where you're doing it all yourself and so i not to say i'm not and i'm not at all saying that you can do psychedelics and don't need therapy or whatever like i think that it's all kind of like do whatever works for you, whatever, whatever you need to do. But if you need to go to therapy, go to therapy as well, <laughs> but then also do psychedelics if you want. Um, because I think that there, it helps you see your experiences in a different way. And it kind of, it can give you some distance from your experiences. Um, and like, like if you read things about like PTSD with it, a lot of it is just like being able to kind of shift perspective back from the traumatic instances and be able to see how all things went together. And sometimes it's true. Like even like, even if it's not something that's like this crazy, like traumatic experience, sometimes you will just be like, you know, at a concert or something, at a festival or whatever, and you'll see something and it'll remind you of like, oh, that was that, that reminds me of that internal dynamic from when I was a child. Oh, I suddenly understand this whole experience between my parents or between siblings or whatever, like in a different way. And it kind of like, and you'll have these realizations because you're able to look at the world around you through this different lens. And that, what that does is it helps lock into place a lot of things that otherwise might've felt confusing or different. But in that same way, if you realize something that's really heavy and really serious, it can also do damage. So I think that's why it's important to have like a good kind of like psychedelic community around you when you're doing these things, at least for the first few times, like once you're more comfortable right. by yourself and doing it. I mean, personally, I 
I don't, I don't do the scent anymore because I'm like 35, but like, <laughs> um, and I've just done a lot of psychedelics in my life. But I used to just think it was really fun to just do something and then just like kind of go out to, you know, just go out and exist in the world because it's just, it's just fun. And I was always kind of in my own little, my own little world. Um, and it helps you just kind of see social environments differently. But I think that we're realizing now that it's very, it's a, it's very beneficial to be able to see a different perspective on your own personal experiences and to get kind of outside of your head to get like, rather than being like in this, like in the emo a moment in emotional reactivity state, you're like up here and you're seeing it in a different way. And especially with ketamine, ketamine, I think is honestly, I think for therapy, I think is probably one of the most effective ones with that because it's like with the other ones, I feel like you're going down this journey and you're both you and the drug are kind of like, you know, you're holding hands and you're going into it together with ketamine. It kind of just like takes you off in another place. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I have an, I have an idea of what you're, uh, we talked about. I only did ketamine once. Oh yeah. And it was like four o'clock in the morning. I ketamine barely. Is ketamine is my favorite these days. I, I, I like, all I remember was, is that I felt like I was two people. So I felt like there was, like, if I was at a stairs, I'd be at the top of the stairs. And yeah. there was a version of me on the bottom of the yes. stairs. And it felt extremely comforting. Yes. I and, don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that is. But you see, this is something that I've seen from my own personal experiences. It shows you different types of emotions yeah. that you wouldn't put together before. Like... Just be with me. Take horror, for example. Horror can be kind of pleasant or comforting for some people. Doesn't make them a murderer or a killer or a serial no. killer. There's something about the emotions in a horror film yeah. that give them, I guess, a dopamine, you yeah. know, in, in their I brain. Love, I love horror and I love uh, documentaries about really heavy, about really dark stuff. I'm not a particularly like day-to-day -day dark person. I am not a violent person. I'm not a particularly aggressive person, but I love like documentaries about serial killers and horror films and things like that. I think part of it is because I just am really curious about the extremes of humanity. Like I, I, I'm really interested in like how deep the rabbit hole goes, whatever the rabbit hole right. is. And yeah. I watch a lot of really dark shit while I'm making art and the art is not necessarily a reflection of it, but it does have some component of it. And so it's like, I love putting on like a dark, disturbing documentary and then like going to town painting for like six hours you know it's great but it's not it, i also think that with you know with horror and with with horror and things like that in particular um and with making dark art or art that's influenced by darkness or whatever a lot of the time when you are able to and for me art has always been a way of art and writing have always been ways of metabolizing trauma that happened to me and experiences that happened to me and being able to integrate them into my life in a way that's not destructive um, but I think that when you are like, when, when you create something out of trauma and out of bad experiences, um, like, you know, horror art, for example, like there's whole sub subsections of like hor things that are like hashtag horror art and they're really demented things, but they're also beautiful. And I would venture to guess that most of those people are pretty peaceful people because when you're getting it out of yourself mm. in a way that is can communicate with other people and can communicate to that darkness of other people you're not keeping it inside of yourself anymore other people see that and they're they're interested in it because it's like because it's something that they feel as well and when you articulate that kind of stuff after you've like metabolized it and figure out how to turn it into something like 
outside of yourself. It no longer lives inside of you and bothers you. Right. So it's a, uh, it's a different turn of the table where you have to be able to separate being sick. We're talking about like mentally ill and not well to emotions and feelings and expressions of one of, of one's own, because it is, it's personal to you. You know, something that is strange, but kind of odd, where if you look at psychedelic culture, we mentioned this earlier during the 19th. I love the 60s and 70s. Like the 70s is my favorite decade. I don't give two shits about the gas crisis. I don't care how awful the serial killers were. Yes, I watch all those documentaries too. I fucking love all of them. Wow, stuff. <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah. I, w- I watched one with Ted Bundy. I was just I like drawn for like 10 hours. But It's wild. <laughs> but, but the psychedelic culture back then was a lot more free, open, not too safe. Has any of that been heavily influenced to how psychedelic culture is now? I mean, we've changed a lot as a society. We became a lot more open-minded, a lot less racist, a lot more uh, less judgmental of others. But yeah. has that but has that shift from the psychedelic community and the experiences back then been copied and pasted today more than actual change? I think it, back then it was scary because people didn't quite know what it meant. And I think now we've just had longer to experience it. But also we've had ways to understand how not to go into the bad spaces and get stuck there. There are whole cultures around doing it in ways that are kind of beautiful and bringing it together now. Whether that's like, you know, festival culture or more therapeutic or through ceremony or just through like, you know, psychedelic parties (laughs) with your friends. Like there's, there's a lot of ways and there's also, I think, I think the reason that is seen differently now is because we also have, like, I mean, I grew up kind of like with like, you know, hearing like beatnik writers and stuff like that. And like, you know, just ways that these things were, and also just how my parents talked about, like these ways that these things were kind of seen in the world. They were more groundbreaking back then because in Western culture, we had never seen, looked at things that way before. And I think that because there was, it was such like a flux for like art and music and culture and like, and media, like that influences everything past that. Like it really, it opened a lot of doorways in terms of like how sound is made, for example, like different styles of music, um, things that people sing about some music that's like much more like subversive and stuff like, um, or like just in different ways of understanding like the culture surrounding drugs and psychedelics and, and stuff like, you know, the difference that what like CCR talks about acid versus how Bob Dylan does in songs and like how, you know, they're, and so you have both of these different ways of understanding things where it's just like, yes, this is fun and shiny and beautiful, but this is also something where it can be dangerous and there can be a lot of sort of conspiracy around it. And there can be a lot of like illegality around this thing. Yeah. I mean, you can look at, you know, you're mentioning Bob Dylan. A great example of this would be the Velvet Underground yeah. uh, and Lou Reed. And the way he wrote his music, first of all, it was way too advanced. I don't think anybody back then, they were horrified by his music because it was very 
It was very, very eye-opening. But you can, I personally can see the way that he wrote his songs, the way that he put them together. They had that type of synth, that rhythm of the world is a lot scarier than you think. Just open your eyes just a little bit more and you can see it. Yeah. But it's okay because you've lived with it for this long and you're, you're fine, but you just haven't seen the whole picture. That, yeah. That's the thing that I think people get turned off is like, why do I want to see more? Why wouldn't you want to see more? Can you imagine if you just had an ice cream and you can't see what you're eating? Well, but also it's like because just because you live in a world where you're, you know, you've lived a life of privilege and where you're able to be safe from things that don't hurt you doesn't mean that those things aren't there. And if you're ignoring that stuff, you're not participating in the full human experience. You're just living in like a little ivory tower. Like, I think that it's important to look at all the dark things. And it's also important to understand like how, you know, like I think another, I think the other thing is honestly, I mean, like, I mean, this is sort of something that gets talked about a lot. So I, I'm not going to go into this as much, but you know, just like the war on drugs in general is just a complete, like a completely racist thing. And so I think that's another, you know, psychedelics fall into that still, even though they're kind of like a, their own, like their own category, but it's like, you know, like, like, it, like, psychedelics make you realize that some of the powers that you might have trusted growing up are not things that you should be, that are that should be trusted psychedelics also under make you understand the divides that have been created that you've heard about since you were young are not really divides they're just things to control population and those two things make it like well you know the people will the people will revolt the people will rise up when they realize that there is more more of an argument for integration than there is for separation and that's dangerous to the power structures that control the world yeah, essentially the oppressors. Pretty much. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the cultures that um, still use, you know, that like ayahuasca or mushrooms or like a lot, of, you know, some of the other ones, like the, the the frog one, and like you know, but there's a lot of different things where it's like the like a lot of cultures that use psychedelics in a more ceremonious way are the ones that are farther from a sort of colonized Western culture. And then, you know, it makes sense that, like, the West Coast is the first place that embraces all that stuff in a legal way, because out here is kind of a catch basin. You know, you have indigenous people out here, obviously, but you also have, like, of the people who are, like, you know, especially, like, people from other parts of the country, other parts of the world, that find themselves on the West Coast, you have it's sort of a catch basin for people who already think that way. And so, right. of course, we're like, yeah, of course, we don't want these things to be illegal. Why would, they want, why would we want these things to be illegal? These things open your mind to everything. But a lot of people don't want their minds open. Well, it's kind of <clears throat> it's kind of a, the the story that John Lennon tried saying. You know, I there was an interview that he uh, he gave. In, I think it was like in the early seventies, and he said, "I'm not quoting directly. I'm just trying to remember the exact uh, frame." But in short, is the way that man works is upon control, and the way that control works is that the more of cloth you put over the dome, in my own point of view, where they can't see what's outside of the bubble, yeah. the more control you have. So you can show them what's outside of the bubble without actually them actually showing them. Of so course. Yeah. when you start peeling that off, they start seeing the world for what it is, and it terrifies them. That's why Richard Nixon, <laughs> uh, he, uh, 
he created the war on drugs yeah. because he knew that it would allow a new generation of people to come along and take over of what he wanted to do is to monopolize and increase the amount of cap of um, that capital corporate uh, corporate corporate businesses these giga companies to flourish and grow without any interference whatsoever yeah I'm going completely off topic but no, going in Oh, Mike's gone. Oh. All right. And he'll, 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 come, he'll come back. No, yeah. No, you're not going off topic, though. I don't think you're going off topic at all because I think that's true. Like, a lot of the reason that, like, you know, like, why was, why, like, why was we, like, I don't particularly, unfortunately, weed doesn't work with my brain very well. I wish it did. I would really love to love weed, but most of my friends do, and I fully support it as a thing. Um, I don't smoke weed, I don't drink, <laughs> um, none of the normal things for me. Um, but like, I think that, you know, why weed was illegal for so long, what is weed makes you realize that like racism is stupid and classism is stupid and all these things, you know, it kind of like opens your eyes to that it's a great unifier. Like I remember in high school, everyone smoked weed. And like, that was the thing that brought like, you know, the hippies and the hip hop kids and the jocks and the, you know, the juggalos and the goths and the and the punks and you know everyone it brought it was the one that brought everyone together because it was like what are you all doing well you're all smoking weed underneath the tree in the you know in the brings back brings back fun yeah <laughs> bring back fun memory i used right. to go you're all, you're all like going and climbing underneath the viaduct by the river oh my God. I, 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 smoking weed <sighs> and past the police station when you're high as balls it's a great unifier so why is that dangerous well because then you realize that like you know you're not better so you know one person's not better than another because they're a straight a student and they are because they grew up and they have a better job they're not better than them because you know they were born to a different from a, in a different country or they're born you know to a different like with different levels of money you realize that like better and worse are just constructs that are created to control people as well and i think that is like why it's it's illegal because it's like people realize like okay yeah no if your brain doesn't work in a way where you need to learn like, you know, calculus, maybe you don't need to learn calculus. Maybe you should just be taking music classes and art classes. Maybe you should learn a little bit of math just so you understand it. But like, we, we you know, and yeah, it, you realize it's, tr it's true. The whole structure of, of understanding, like, westernized school work, like economics is based on control and keeping people who are in power in power and people who are not in power, like, you know, with a foot on their head. Five percent. Yeah, or, or 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 just in general, the the understanding that it 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 mostly has a lot to do with the fact that since many people are afraid, you were saying this earlier, many people are afraid of seeing the truth, so they don't want to look at it, and it makes it even easier for the oppressors, you know, mm -hmm. the people in control, to continue doing what they do, um, especially with what uh what we have seen like lack of education in this area you know the the most important education you mentioned school being a you know kind of um, a ridiculous construct the education system the uh the, the social up. the social structures yeah. the uh, the laws the economics all of it is kind of um kind of stacks against the average person but it's uh, probably the most important thing that as a society that we're acknowledging now for the first time is emotional intelligence. Oh yeah. Um, totally. And, uh, and 
the the way to get there is first kind of breaking down those doors or even discovering that there is a door that you've never opened. Yeah. Um, the the fe the fear in in people who might come into psychedelics for the first time um, is understandable. That's the pre-programming for much of their life, as from the guy that you absolutely love, Dave. That's Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know. have to spit, man. You have I, to spit. Yeah. You, you know, I let <laughs> I let you do that because you you, you love you. to do it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, as um, as we're seeing, you know, the world is changing. Lawmakers around the world are changing. Um, what, you know, what's the reason for it? Well, it clearly is showing better results than traditional, um, traditional, you know, therapies and applications. Uh, when you can't, when, when traditional methods only uh, drug you up or change something chemically in your brain so that you could feel okay day to day and be yeah. functional, um, these aren't, these aren't addressing the problem. It's um, it's just masking the problem. The problem will always be there. Um, so, what if you can do something like psychedelics that can open up that world so you can begin to understand where this trauma originates from? What if you can change your entire life? So this is the question of uh, yeah, why, why what would, we're why talking would, about. Why would you do that? Why would you want to change your life for the better? I mean, Instead of just yeah. go to college, just go to college, become a lawyer, yeah, you know, yeah. rack up all that debt, rack up all that debt, marry a person you can't stand, you know, <laughs> and re yeah. retire at 60 and uh, do golf with Dick and Richard. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Leave golf out of it. I love golf. <laughs> I, I love golf too, man. It's a challenging fucking sport. It is. I'm just saying that like, that's kind of, but you see, that's the kind of reality these governments want us to live in okay yes. what we don't realize is is that we don't have to be a part of that system to survive you know how i know this i'm doing it myself i've gotten scolded you're 22 why aren't you in college why don't you have a ged why aren't you and i'm like because i don't want to be sucked up into that that fucked up bullshit i don't want to be 60 years old and retire, and then what do I have to show for myself? Absolutely yeah. nothing. Right. Well, and and yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that starts from such a young age before we even think, you know, before we're even at an age to think about drugs, where it's like, you know, what happens in schools is is the this happened in Chicago where I'm from a lot. Um, I was lucky to kind of like get the tail end in the early two thousands in high school and stuff of like, of like really great art programs, publicly funded art programs, for public school kids, but like getting rid of like art and music and stuff and things that are more expressive in schools is like the same. And like, you know, putting so much focus into math and science is the same thing where it's like, you're taking people like you're, why is there, why is it hard to make money as an artist? Well, it's, it's not if you're in a place that actually appreciates art. Like I work on the film industry and I found like, I found success doing that like when I was in Chicago or other cities and stuff too, it's like, there's not really as much of a culture for that. And so there's not as much money in it. So everybody's like a barista or works at a bar or something in addition to making art. But it's like, if you're actually surrounded by, and if you actually put stock in art, like then there's money in art, <laughs> you know, like there's a way to survive as an artist professionally. And like, like it's completely possible. I do it, like, you know, but it's like, 
when you are conditioned to to believe that like there's no reason to pursue that because there's no way that you can live a respectable life or be a productive member of society if you do that then you're not going to necessarily look into that and i think that kind of goes in the same thing what does art do is art does you know like being an artist is is automatically looking at the world in a different way because you're looking right. at you're you're figuring out how to digest it in bite-sized pieces so that you can turn it into something else like it is it's you know metabolizing the things around you and your experiences so that you can create something beautiful out of them or you know or dark or whatever whatever you're whatever you feel like but in that same way it's like you're perceiving things differently like right. it's not and so what what happens is like okay like psychedelics or like art in public or art and music and theater in public schools uh, eliminating these things that expand your mind and expand your understanding of emotion and and life and uh, social constructs and the import and like all of it. Um, when, oh, sorry. My rat, my rat fell. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> I, heard, I heard a little noise. Yeah. I was like, oh no, what happened? He was fine. He was just getting too. He was getting too uh, into too much stuff on my desk. So I I like had him jump onto the bed and then he like missed the bed and then he just <laughs> poor little guy he's, he's fine he's he's like three months old he's you know very bouncy um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, you know it, it's interesting because we've been bringing up art <clears throat> a lot and uh curious enough there is actually a psychedelic art form i actually draw psychedelic art that's the art form that i i choose and so you might say to yourself, okay, well, what does art and drugs have to do with anything? Actually, most art forms go according to a way, a certain flow or certain pattern. Mm -hmm. Psychedelics create a certain form and a certain pattern of a way of drawing. So you see that, again, art, it, fine art, you know, surrealism, realism, abstract, um, otif, uh, French Parisienne. Uh, new age. I mean, there's different varieties, but these are considered legal and accepted yeah. in the modern world. But they created a pattern and a certain flow based on just natural property or way of doing things or an environment. If psychedelics do the exact same thing, what what is what the what the fuck is the difference? Oh. What is the difference? There is no difference. <laughs> because it's not taxable and it's run by a lot of people who are not. Um, well, because it's, it's not something that you can regulate in the same way. Well, I mean, uh, you're, you're talking about what, what's the what's the difference between the, what the approach of the art? I mean, art is self-expression at its finest. So, you know, you mentioned all these different forms and how they were, I guess they were constructed. And when you ask so, what's the difference between that just, and psychedelic art, you just, I mean, you just, you just said that before it's self-expression. So psychedelics give you that self-expression of that style and that art form. Yeah. Okay. An example is surrealism. Okay. Which was pioneered by El Salvador Dali. What's the self-expression of that? Well, surrealism is a self-expression of, a visual aspect of the world and how your mind perceives it. So in short, that means is that if you're trying per to perceive a slow change of time where things are slowly, gradually 
just staying at a certain pace, melting clocks. That could, be great... that could be considered psychedelic art. Yeah, definitely is. I understand that, but I'm giving that I'm giving surrealism as an example right, of that. Right. So that form of self-expression gives that over. Mm -hmm. Psychedelics, you just said that before, psychedelics give over a similar self-expression. They're all giving over these expressions well, that allow when, these arts to be when formed. You get into like, when you get into like surrealism, though, you also, I feel like you have to look at a lot of other movements that were kind of in of that course. area. Like, I just was focusing on that one specifically. Well, but then you also have like, I mean, like with Dada, you'd have things that were more like these very confrontational performance art things that were, you know, literally disrupting, like disruptive pieces that would disrupt like things in like normal happening everyday life. Then you have like Bauhaus that had those crazy, like all the crazy costumes that look a lot like what people at Burning Man wear these days, where you have it's just deconstructed concepts of like solar systems or like different objects and things. And it's all just stuff that deconstructs your concepts of reality. And all those guys are probably playing around it with at least like opium and stuff back then, but there were, there were still drugs back then, you know? Like, but like, but in the same way, it's like that stuff was also until it became something that was more structured, it was something that was seen as frightening. And so once they were like, oh, this is like the Bauhaus movement, there's a school of thought that you can follow after it. Look, we create other kinds of geometric patterns. Like, and so there's schools of thought and ways of understanding it in a way that is kind of subversive, but also still not completely antithetical to society. I think it's going, it, it keeps being, uh, it keeps being rejected, which I think is interesting now because people are realizing on such a large in such a you know big wave but also because a lot of the newer generation or generations that are like you know 20s 30s and a little bit older like the the millennials and the, and the gen x and stuff are a lot of the people who are in control of a lot of things now so you don't have the people who are the baby boomers who are like staunchly against this kind of stuff you have younger generations that are understanding how to integrate psychedelics into society in a way that's healthy and 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 like you know um helpful and right. once you create something that is like i think that i think that's kind of a, a key of it too it's just like subversion versus directly antithetical if that makes sense so like um like that's i sort of you mentioned this before like the difference between the way that psychedelics were perceived in like the 60s and 70s versus now is now i think that back then it was sort of like this very brazen kind of like fuck society fuck the fuck the man kind of thing and then now it's much more subversive where it gets worked into a lot of things that are more mainstream and i think that that while i think some people might perceive that as a bit of like selling out i really don't because i think the more that you have influence in culture the better and if that means you have to kind of make your stuff a little bit more digestible that's fine <laughs> Right. Is it going to reach more people? Is it going to influence more people? Is that way of deconstructing reality and looking at things in a different and more uh, like open and more kind of radicalized way the most important thing? Or is staying true to just being this like, like, eh, kind of like attitude your whole life? And it's like, if you kind of accept that integrating and creating a little bit of structure within it allows you to have a bigger influence on society and culture, then I think that like, it's kind of a fine, it's a fair trade-off. Like in terms of psychedelic art, what you're talking about too, something that's a really good example of that is like Alex Gray and that whole movement of art mm -hmm. around that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. where that is a hundred thousand percent just purely like acid art. That but, stuff is really, really good. I found out about him through Tool. 
Yeah. 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 He's got, you know, he has like, you know, he has like dinners of influential peoples. There's art shows of all of his stuff. There's prints of things you can get, t-shirts, this, that. And it's stuff that's very beautiful, but it's also and highly skilled, but it's also like totally just like, you know, like acid and DMT land, sort of like crystal castles and like, you know, like, like Chimera people. It's beautiful, but it's also like 100% psychedelic art. And I think that that stuff is very widely accepted because it's very beautiful. And because he's not saying like, you know, go throw society away and go go live in the woods and, and start a commune. He's like, this is my art. <laughs> and it's right. in, this is, this is how I, this is my understanding of spirituality and God and, and eternity and people. And so it's like, it's in a way that is more kind of digestible um, and less like, and less extreme. And that really helps it become more embraced by, by more people. I mean, right. that's the idea, right? It's, uh, you know, any type of art form generally has, uh, I want to say three aspects to it. The one is the freedom of self-expression. The second one, trying to make a statement or uh, make a, or I want to say, um, kind of imprint an idea or a message into society, something that can be passed on that's positive and empowering. Like a poem. Um, and then, of course, you know, the um, the inevitability of art is the growth and uh, evolution. So, you know, some, as you put it, Eli, some would call it selling out, but um, artists should evolve. That is part of the um, the experience. So as you grow, so does uh, so does your art form. I mean, it's it's natural um, yeah. and staying the same doesn't really doesn't really do anything yeah, for, look at, uh, for look, you. Look, look at Pablo Picasso. I mean, the man went from, <clears throat> he could draw really, really good realistic art. He was really good doing realism pieces, but he went to complete abstract. Yeah. And you might think like, why the hell would he do that? Well, Mike just said it. Over time, your art form changes. It. It, it it evolves. Yeah. As it should. I mean, exactly. And you that's know. Still, like even in modern, like more modern music, more modern art, like like the ones that evolve and change and continue to like grow are the ones that that, that have been around for 20, 30 years and like continue to reach new generations. Whereas the ones that kind of do the same thing over and over and again, they kind of stay, they, they kind of become tired. Right. Like, yeah. And so I think that's like, psychedelics are evolving now too because they're not just this thing that alienates you from society and culture if anything there's something that allow you to get closer to people and allow you to like understand yourself your family your partners your you know your world better right, right. You, you know in the lost uh the lost episode um there was portions in there that we discussed some things relating to uh psychedelics the the emotional uh connectivity that uh, that occurs you spoke uh, very well about it um the 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 ability to connect on a, another level the experiences through psychedelics that um open you up to human behavior uh, yeah. maybe perhaps for the first time in your life and um generally just uh encourage people to have more of that emotional capacity to be a little more understanding, more accepting, um, and uh, it, being able to engage. In that episode, you talked a lot about um, people who might not have the best experiences socially 
um, and then going through these experiences and seeing dramatic improvements that their social skills have improved and it, 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 yeah. that they're more confident that there's there's a, an element that is occurring there. Yeah, well, we, we talked a lot too about just like confidence and body confidence and, and also in queerness and stuff. And like I, I, how psychedelics kind of allow you to understand yourself and your body in a different way and understand who you are in a different way. And so it does allow you to kind of move through the world more um, more honestly and more true to yourself and more comfortably too, because you like, you kind of are able to see yourself from a different way, feel yourself in a different way. You become aware of um, every aspect of, of your being and your right. senses get heightened, your, your self-awareness gets heightened. And it allows you, especially like, you know, we, we talked a little bit about queerness and like, you know, um, like I'm also like, you know, like a gender fluid person and like just understanding kind of like, that you don't necessarily have to be this thing that the world sees you as like you're right. able to like you can be whatever you are you're the one that's creating your own your own internal reality and it allows you to kind of understand yourself and that makes you more confident when you're interacting with others and then like you're able to understand other people and how, where they come from and their perspectives it kind of all merges together like psychedelics understand help you understand like a different level of emotional communication right. with people it it's uh it's funny because in the last in the lost episode we were talking about uh i had i mentioned my ayahuasca experience where i was uh bleh. it's too late uh <laughs> woo, brain just work so my spirit animal my spirit animal is a, a chipmunk and i see that totally <laughs> <laughs> so I remember one of the first times I mentioned this to someone, and this was when I was in Israel. Uh, his name is Nessie. He's actually going to be coming on to this uh, season later on. Oh, cool. And he was, like, laughing. He's like, a chipmunk? Like, that's just silly. Like, why on earth would you want to be a chipmunk? And I said to him, I said, you know, you'd be very surprised what a little chipmunk can accomplish. Did you know that chipmunks are able to withstand the winter better than squirrels? about 50% more. They're actually to withstand a lot more food in their stomachs than squirrels. It gets even better. They're actually great climbers. And they're really good at holding on to branches and very small little twigs, which squirrels can't do either. They're very adaptable little creatures, but we kind of shove them in a the box like, oh, they're stupid. But they're not. They're not. So, and it's funny because psychedelics that open your mind and say, well, why on earth am I a chipmunk? Because in reality, there's nothing wrong with the chipmunk. No. We've been trained the whole time to believe that there is something wrong. Well, the, you know, uh, in, in that same, same, in that same story, you had mentioned your experience on ayahuasca and like um, relating to what Eli was saying, you had gone through that experience and towards the end of it, um, you, uh, I believe you had said you broke down crying and kind of, reflecting on like who you were and why um, you felt like you you weren't being allowed in today's societal standards to kind of be who you want to be. Um, I think um, you would be able to explain that story better. Do you know which one I'm talking about, Dave? I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> you mean the peyote story? Was it peyote? It wasn't ayahuasca. No, I, that's no, what, no, well, that's why. No, so I, 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 well, we're going to be talking about peyote too, but I can kind of break down the story. I was in Israel and I went to the Mesa Desert 
And in Israel, we have the Israeli hippies, you know, <laughs> uh, and they're, they're the coolest people you'll ever meet. They're kind of a cross between burners, uh, tokers and smokers, Cali vibe, and then a mixture, like just a dab of Colorado. It's kind of like I've met these people when I traveled in other countries. They're yeah. really, they're really fun. Yeah, they so <laughs> we're just sitting there. We got a couple of guys are playing guitar and he just screams out like, you want to do peyote? So we were all sitting there and doing peyote. He's playing guitar. I'm having this trip. And I had a visual of David Bowie. I think it was because he was playing David Bowie. I don't really remember. But after that, I had such a different perspective of music. I just broke down and I just started crying because I could. There's a song I constantly play. You've heard this before. Uh, Working Class Hero by John Lennon. When I hear that song, there's so many emotions I can understand the words and interpret them so well and the sounds and the pieces that I played it for other friends. They have no idea what I'm talking about. They're like, <laughs> what's wrong with you, man? You're so fucked up. And I'm like, can't you hear it? They're like, what? What are you talking about? They have no idea. It's um, it's permanent, but it's uh, just like my tattoos. I fucking love that they're permanent because I get to keep them for the rest of my life. And you can add to it. Yeah. So. I'm not I mean, peeing. I'm just, I'm just yeah, boring. That's what it sounded like. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. There's a pee bottle down on the floor, everyone. So like right, I admit it. So like right now, um, psychedelics, it, you know, it's the beginning of this psychedelic revolution. Um, though it's been going on for a long time. It is so much more open now, and we're allowed to talk about it openly, discuss our experiences. Fuck yeah. Uh, um, share with people. There's, a, you know, a, a growing uh, community. But there's... Yeah, but... No. There, and, and there's, you know, there's... In terms of, like, what's going on around the world, um, we're, we're being able to quantify for the first time how well this is working for people. Uh, it's working so well that... Um, legislators are kind of throwing around this term, this right to try um, uh, kind of saying, and it's for the first time, they're, even their acknowledgement that like, okay, you know what, man, um, there are people who have gone through so much in their life without ever getting an opportunity to find a meaningful solution that can uh, get them well emotionally and psychologically. So here's your right to try um, virtually any of these other things, the MDMA therapy, the, the ketamine therapy, the psilocybin, um, what, whatever's going to work best. At the end of the day, um, at least they're giving people the opportunity to do this. And it, there's a growing need to, to help these people who are suffering greatly from depression, anxiety, PTSD. PTSD, yeah. Um, and uh, honestly, many of us have gone through this, um, many tough situations. And in some point in our lives, we we right. all we we've all turned to something, some kind of uh, substance. Uh, for for some people, it's substance abuse. For some people, it's uh, substance therapy and or tampon for, abuse. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's there's so much happening in this space, and the whole point of it is just trying to trying to learn, you know, really discover yourself for the first time. Uh, and um, and then go from there. It's yeah. really, really amazing. 
So I'm, I mean, I'm excited about it. it you know, and, and this is this is why we brought on Eli, uh, you know, to be able to bring over your experiences, you know, what uh, what you've gone through, and what you can open up so we can all open up about <clears throat> this world that has been closed for way too long, and finally these doors are finally, fuck, finally are being opened. Uh, I think it would be a good time, Eli, if you want to go over, uh, you know, uh, what you do, if people want to reach out to you, uh, you know, we're bringing you on. We want to we give you the spotlight. So uh, I don't actually have a physical one. I'm going to use a Pringles, a Pringles can. I have light. Shining. <laughs> Look, it worked, it worked. <laughs> um, from your Pringles cans to my desk. No, it's like, sure, but I'm gonna turn away. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I am, um, so I am a um, visual artist and, uh, and like installation artist, immersive artist um, out in Los Angeles. Um, I also, I work in the film industry. I do um, like art direction and production design as well as like scenic work and fabrication. I do mural art, I do, I make clothes. I, I make all different kinds of weird little things. I make uh, soft, sculptures and puppets and and uh and then also try to always have something that i i in my personal work i try to always have it taking you somewhere um i don't like it to just be something that's pretty to look at i like it to be something that takes you on a bit of a journey i also write stories um i like uh one day one day i'll actually finish the books that i write but i've written a few um <laughs> and um i i like to just i think that i try to put my own perspectives and my own experiences into everything that I do, even if that's not directly about that. Um, I where I so the probably the best way to get in touch with me is through Instagram. I do it's Eli Sumbunny, so it's E L I S O M E B U N N Y, and then my TikTok is the same as as that, and then I or on Facebook too, I guess. But like you know, um, Facebook is just Eli Narat. Um, I don't have a website. I will eventually put together a website of all my stuff, but I think Instagram is probably the best way for now. Um, but yeah, I like, I think that when I think about the things that have influenced me the most and that have stayed with me the most, it's usual. It's like, it's like, it's art, it's writing, it's, it's, it's film, it's music, it's, it's events and festivals and things like that. I used to do a lot of like, I used to do a lot more like, activist work too and i do think that there's you know i always do kind of look at things through a lens too where i'm like there needs to be more just awareness of the world around us like i think it can't just be things that are for pleasure but i think that bringing people together and helping and like creating a different perspective shining a different light on things is is really i guess what really make, gets me happy when i wake up in the morning <laughs> it's amazing and of course, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna put all of your information below in cool. the description box, so you guys can get the links and be able to find you. Uh, again, I just wanted to personally thank you for being a part of our podcast. You know, we're society and culture based. We're also community based, and this entire season is about getting personal, yeah. uh, opening ourselves up to a world that has like we said, has been closed for too long and having a, a, a different perspective, an educational perspective that you may not be 100% open to, but that's okay. You know, we're here to have fun. We're here to 
uh, be able to start experiences, start journeys. And uh, again, just thank you so much, Eli, for being a part of this. Very happy to be here. Glad we got to do this twice. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you have uh, anything, uh, anything else you'd like to add, Mike? Listeners, go check out Eli's stuff, okay? She's, she took a lot of time and gave us a second chance here. We greatly appreciate having her on and for sparing the extra time for us. So please give her some love, some support. Go check out her work. Um, Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Hit yeah, me do it now. Now. Do it now. Yeah. yeah, I always love meeting new people and talking to new people about things. All right, guys, we have reached that time in our podcast. This has been great. It has been fun, and we got lost in the groove. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. It premieres about 2 a.m. in the morning, and our other channels, Shambam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon podcast, and our extra special, The Shindig Variety Show, our YouTube podcast. Links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season. And what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer. Thank you guys so much for watching. Catch you guys in the next one.